You're listening to Inside the Village, where all news is local and no topic is off limits. So help me, Bob, it's Bully in the Alley. This is Inside the Village. I'm Scott Sexsmith with uh, Michael Friscoletti, editor in chief here at Village Media. Derek uh, Turner is in the uh, in the room as well. We're a little late uh, this week. A little late out of the gate, as they say. We're all, we're already thinking the same. I was just about to say that. We're in. So like we're totally in sync. It's in sync. Been, it's been a year, but great minds sync. think yeah. alike. But you know what? When you're in the news business, breaking news can sometimes trump things. And, and hey, this is what we do. If we're in our if we're if we're on time every week, they're going to wonder if we're really covering any breaking news. Well, we'll just become too. Predictable. That's right. That's right. right. That's so we, the, we want to be predictably unpredictable. That's the last thing we want to be is predictable. You know the second half of that saying? Yeah. Great minds think alike. Yeah. But fools yeah. seldom differ. You know, I have to tell you this. I meant to tell you this before we went on the air, but I was at the, the ball fields here in Sault Ste. Marie a couple nights ago yes. for a game. And a stranger pulled me aside, older gentleman, yes. said, I really enjoy the show you do with that other guy on uh, on Suit Today. So that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm the other guy. You're the other guy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. Family so, member? No. No, I did, I did not reckon. Complete stranger. Yeah, and I meant to ask him, you know, is there a particular episode you enjoyed or someone we interviewed? But yeah, you know what? It did. It's funny because we sit down here and we do this and, you know, we get a little bit of feedback here and there, but sometimes you just wonder if it's kind of just thrown off a cliff, but people are watching. So it's now, if you ever go out in public with Derek, I mean, it's all cap glasses, you know, the guy's got to be incognito. Yeah, but he's like that all the time anyway. No. <laughs> I don't know if that has to do with the show. It's a fair point. All right, let's get uh, cracking here. The first word to uh, Frisco. Uh, last week's uh, guest, uh, Tim Vine, uh, tell you, man, was that a timely episode about yeah. the uh, hospital closures in uh, in Thessalon and, and subsequently now Blind River. What I really like about this show is there's oftentimes we'll interview a guest and that will become what we call evergreen content. It's just a relevant interview forever because right. they're talking about something timely or something important, an issue that's not going away. And that was definitely one of them. So we had Tim on after, I think, the first closure of the Thessalon emergency room, right? Yep. We had a great in-depth conversation, tackled the issue from all kinds of different angles. And really, it's a window into what a lot of communities in Northern Ontario are dealing with, especially, right, with Dr. Shortage. So we have that conversation. It's published. Everyone listens to it. And then they close the emergency room again. Right. Then they close it again. 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 So people looking for information on why this is happening had that resource to go back to and watch and listen. And then, of course, we're, we're waiting now. They just announced yesterday that now they have to close the emergency room in Blind River, which is one of their three emergency rooms, for 24 right. hours on Monday. Right. Yeah. So this is – you can just imagine what Tim and his officials are doing around all day trying to make sure they can find a doctor. Even with one of the closures they had, it was supposed to be 24 hours. The last minute they found someone to do the night shift. So they yeah. announced, oh, no, it's going to open earlier than expected. So, yeah, it's uh, – it just one of those conversations. I'm sure we'll go back to many times. It's 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 like a, a giant game of whack a mole, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, mole pops up, Thessalon, yeah. boom, fix yeah. that one. Blind yeah. River pops up. You know where does it end? Yeah, but you know what? I, I to be honest, uh, it's been now it came up in the provincial legislature the last right, week. Mayor right, Styles, Mayor Styles yeah. brought it up. Right, they're reading our coverage, they're seeing the stories, and they're seeing the interview, and it's getting some attention. So I mean. Sometimes that's the way things work, right? You can have something going wrong for a long, long time, but the more attention it gets in the media, the more people sort of react to it. All right. It's a golf season uh, in Ontario, thankfully. Uh, let's head to Sudbury and talk about a situation uh, surrounding a particular golf course uh, there and our reporter uh, Tyler Clark on the ground with some great uh, coverage. Yeah, Tyler Clark, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. He's our city hall reporter in Sudbury, and he's, he's one of the best in the business. He's really good at what he does. He knows how to dig through um, hundreds and hundreds of pages of council documents, as great city council reporters do. And uh, he's been on a story about how there's the, the main private golf course. I think I'm getting this accurate. It's called um, Idle Wild. Idle Wild 
um, has a plan, a, a deal in place since the 60s where they were able to defer taxes. Um, and now it's the, the deferral stands at like $860,000, wow. right? So Tyler reported this and put this out in the fact because it's in, in the public interest that sure. people in Sudbury know that this is happening. And actually asked every city councilor, 13 of them, four questions about this. What the, Basically what their reaction to it is, what do they think should happen. And only one replied to him and actually answered his questions, right? Interesting. So this is, to me, local journalism at its best, right? Tyler's not making a, an argument that this is good or bad. He's just saying, hey, folks, this this is in place. This deal exists. This is, right. what, the, this is what they owe in deferred taxes. And they're asking city councillors to comment on it. So I mean, to me, it's a fantastic job. There's been plenty of stories written about it. And I think uh, it's getting a lot of traction in Sudbury. And if you or I or Derek were to defer our taxes and not pay them, well, this is the thing, right? And I guess one of the one of the um, the but there's a land thing, right? Yeah, I think one of the one of the the the, the rationale for it at the time was yeah. to maintain green space, and right? Say, and I guess the city, if they don't ever pay this and it ceases to become a golf course, the city can get the land, right? Yeah. But yeah, but it's still that's fine. But that's been explained in the stories, and that's that's clearly there as a fact. But the reality is, you're right. I think a lot of taxpayers are kind of thinking, man, this is quite a good deal. Well, and I say that you know with with tongue firmly planted in cheek, uh, but the perception and the the optics would be here's a private golf club uh, that costs a uh, uh, you know a fair amount of money to be a member to, and all of a sudden you know there's a tax deferral deal in place, and people want to know why. They, they sure do, and then that's a fair, it's a fair question because the, everyone there is paying taxes too, right? So we would also welcome any if any of those thirteen city councilors want to jump on inside the village and chat with us about it. They, they could come on here too. The door is always open. Uh, Michael Owen, a, a brand new reporter uh, to the village team uh, based out of Bradford today, uh, certainly. Uh, Kicked off his career with us uh, in fine fashion. Yeah, welcome to the village, Michael Owen, new reporter in Bradford for us. And had, uh, his first story was a beautiful piece about an off-duty firefighter who helped save a, a runner's life during a race uh, in the community. And uh, I, I just think of the times I started new jobs in this business. And it's great when you get to just hit the ground running and just show your stuff right from the beginning. And Michael did a beautiful job. You can read the story on Bradford today. It's a beautiful piece uh, about people coming together to help. And uh, it's just definitely a sign of things to come, I think. Yes, certainly. Uh, welcome to uh, Michael. Okay, let's get to uh, today's show. Uh, I love the headline that I saw on one of our sites, uh, Poison in Every Puff. Uh, it seems that uh, Health Canada is making some changes to warning labels, uh, not only on cigarette packages, but on every single cigarette within the package. Yeah, and we're going to chat about that today. And we're going to just talk about warnings in general, right? Because there's a... There's a feeling all the time that every day there's a new warning and you wonder if sometimes it's uh, just falls on deaf ears because there's so much to think about. But but definitely an interesting conversation we're going to have. We are. And we're going to do that uh, next with Rob Cunningham, a lawyer and policy analyst with the uh, Canadian Cancer Society. Rob joins us next when Inside the Village returns. Reporters, editors and journalists who go the extra mile to get the story and get it right. Go behind the scenes with those who cover the stories that matter most to you and your community. Look for it in the Village Features section of your favourite Village Media website across Ontario. Welcome back to Inside the Village with Michael Friscoletti, Editor-in-Chief at uh, Village Media. I'm Scott Sexsmith. Pleased to be joined on the program now by uh, Rob Cunningham. Rob is a lawyer and senior policy analyst with the uh, Canadian Cancer Society. Uh, Rob, good of you to join us. Welcome to Inside the Village. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, 
Great to be with you. So, Rob, uh, Health Canada is uh, instituting uh, some new warnings on uh, not just cigarette packaging, but the cigarettes themselves uh, later this summer. I guess my first question, uh, Rob, do these warnings actually work? They're going to. Um, it, you know, we're very positive uh, in terms of this announcement. It's received uh, worldwide media attention, um, and I think it really captures the imagination. Now, specifically, there are several dozen research studies uh, that have looked at this and have found that they uh, provide evidence of effectiveness. And we also have several decades of uh, warnings on the outside of the package and several hundred studies providing evidence of effectiveness there. Now, they're different, but I think you can transfer you know, and infer the, the one to the other. That's good to know. I mean, we've seen these ones on the packages for years. I'm not a smoker, and they horrify me the odd times I see it. I'm glad they don't show them in the stores anymore. You can't see them behind the counter anymore, yeah. which is which is nice. But they are horrifying. Do they do you do you know the stats on like are fewer people smoking now in Canada than they were ten years ago, for example? For sure, uh, we're down to twelve percent smoking. That's the most recent data from the Canadian Community Health Survey in 2021. If we go back to 1965, there were fifty percent Canadians who smoke, including sixty-one percent. Of men. Wow. Uh, so we've also seen declines in new smoking, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, still a lot that remains to be done. We have 3.8 million Canadians who smoke. Uh, it remains a leading preventable cause of disease and death, um, with 46,000 uh, Canadians uh, uh, dying each year. A lot that remains to be done. Sorry, 3.8 million Canadians are still smokers, is that what you said? That's right. Wow, that's I wouldn't have guessed it. No. it was that high of a number. No, so yeah, uh, we we think that these labels are, are are having an impact, and fewer and fewer people are smoking. Are there other things at play here about why the numbers have been going down? Well, it's really been a comprehensive series of measures. It's not just one thing: taxation, regulation, and programs. Higher tobacco taxes have really made a big difference. Probably the single most important factor. But uh, I mean, you mentioned the the ban on the visible displays at retail. Um, but promotion restrictions in general, that, you know, but also we don't have the same advertising, the lifestyle advertising, the sponsorship of arts and sports events uh, that we used to. Um, we, we have smoke-free workplaces and public places. The fewer places you could smoke, it's a great uh, motivator to, to quit altogether. It just becomes less convenient uh, than it used to. We do have educational programs. We have banned menthol cigarettes. We've had the warnings on the package and, and the plain packaging for the um, so the brand part of the package to make it less attractive. It's a, it's a whole series of measures that have contributed. And I remember years ago, that was part of the whole marketing initiative, right? It was sexy to smoke. It was cool to smoke. And now I find when I'm out in public, when I see somebody smoking, it almost seems uh, weird. Like, because I, I, I'm not, you, you don't see it like you used to. It's, mm-hmm. it's not as, is not as prevalent uh, as it used to be. And certainly uh, not as sexy as uh, it was once uh, positioned. But when, when you mention about the sexiness and the, the coolness, historically, that's exactly the case. And the tobacco companies have tremendous marketing tools and they made it sexy and cool with their uh, big uh, marketing spend. They would pay for cigarettes to be used or displayed in movies. And that would be exposed to uh, a lot of youth and, and, and glamorize it. I mean, uh, you know, not everyone can live, you know, in a in a cigarette ad, but they, you know, they they made what is, you know, dried leaves with that are deadly and contain an addictive drug, sexy. I mean, that's incredible. And we have to we've had to spend decades to undo that. I just I just read something this morning that uh, cigarettes is the only consumer product that, when used as directed, will kill you. 
That's right. And, you know, the really? if you're a long-term regular smoker, it's either, you know, uh, one out of two are going to die prematurely or maybe uh, two out of three um, in terms of uh, approaching two out of three. That is serious. You know, imagine if one out of two people who took an airplane are going to die. You know, we wouldn't put up with it for very long. And, you know, it's been the, the tobacco industry has lobbied and they've slowed our progress um, against laws and measures to reduce smoking. Imperial Tobacco yesterday, this week, um, spoke out against um, the, the new requirement for warnings on cigarettes themselves. Uh, you know, we uh, just have to keep responding to the industry, um, but we have made progress. You mentioned put up with, Rob. Why do we put up with it? Is it just simply a matter that the, the, their tax revenue is too, too high for the government to, to ban them outright? I think that was a factor in the 1970s and the 1980s uh, that was an inhibitor to tobacco control. I don't think that's the case anymore. Governments provincially and federally are committed uh, to reducing smoking. There's a greater awareness of the health care costs as well. Uh, you know, $5.4 billion each year in terms of health care costs. That's you know, tremendous. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's, we can't ban cigarettes outright because they're addictive and we, you know, we have contraband mm-hmm. and it just simply wouldn't work yet. We can, we can get to a low level of prevalence one day. It become feasible where that's quite a ways away. Mm-hmm. You talked about all the different measures that you've lobbied against and all your organizations have lobbied against for years, right? The advertising, the thing, things like that. Where does this measure uh, fall into that in terms of the significance of having these labels on individual cigarettes? Well, I think it's part of the overall tobacco warning system, which includes messages on the exterior, you know, which as mentioned, you know, are going to be um, enhanced and new because they haven't changed in, in 12 years. The other ones were getting stale. There's messages on the inside of the package and now uh, messages on the cigarette itself. So uh, it's going to have an impact. And and, and part of it is just going to generate a lot of discussion. Um, And we want smokers to be talking about this. We want their family members to be talking about it. Today, at this point, I think it's pretty difficult to quantify how much the impact is going to be, you know, especially over a 10-year period. We know what the direction is going to be. Um, you know, we know that tobacco companies are concerned about the impact on cigarette sales and cigarette consumption. Um, so it's going to take some, I think, more time for evaluation. Uh, but we're optimistic in terms of um, you know the contribution to the overall effort. Mm-hmm. One of the warnings is going to say, as Scott mentioned, poison in every puff. What are some of the other things that we'll see on the actual cigarettes? Well, um, one is going to say, you know, refer to damage to your organs. Uh, there's going to be two sets of six warnings in the first set. You know, a six followed by a, a set is going to be rotated at, at a later point. One of them is going to simply cause uh, cigarettes cause cancer. So it's giving new uh, meaning to that old term cancer sticks. So you're going to have cancer word cancer, you know, put it in your mouth because they're going to be on the filter end of the cigarette. One of them is with respect to impotence. So one of them is uh, cigarettes cause leukemia, which has never been a message uh, that has been used for health warnings in Canada. And one of the advantages of having warnings directly on cigarettes is that you can have other health effects uh, that you don't have space for on the package. And there's, you know, 50, 60, how many different health effects are there uh, from smoking? Um, And uh, there's going to be on the exterior of the package, two sets of 14 warnings. So there's there's way more health effects than that. That is wild. Just trying to grasp how many warnings are on the one package. That's that's crazy. You know, it's interesting. We, we've heard that you see on social media all the time when people react to things. But one of the things, the messages people are, are reacting to about this is, well, 
how come we're not doing this for on fast food packaging, for example, or how come we're not having gone this far down the road on alcohol warnings? Uh, what would you say to people who, who kind of brush it aside like that, Rob? There's a couple of points. First of all, as you mentioned, uh, cigarettes are the only product that kills when used exactly as directed, as intended. Uh, so it makes it unique. And almost the overwhelming majority of new users are underage youth who then become addicted and they can't implement their choice uh, to quit. At the same time, you know, for other product categories like food, um, there is discussion to have better labeling information in terms of calories and carbohydrates. And uh, there's going to be a, just approved federally. So it's going to take a few years more for implementation to enhance uh, that warning information. You know, cigarettes are very specific. You know, food, there's many, many different types of food. It becomes more complex. Now, for alcohol, um, there are some countries that do have health messages on alcohol, including the United States. It's very small in the United States. And, and it's, you know, it's with respect to pregnancy and driving right. and operating uh, machinery. But with the new information on alcohol that was released in January, in Canada, there started to be more discussion with respect to labeling for alcohol containers. Rob, where do uh, e-cigarettes and vaping fit into this whole uh, picture? Are there, are there warning uh, plans in place? The announcement that has just been made is for cigarettes and tobacco products only uh, in terms of the announcement that Health Canada has made. Previously, Health Canada did have a health warning requirement for packages of e-cigarette products with respect to containing nicotine that is addictive. I, uh, I think there's an opportunity for additional messages um, you know, we don't have the full uh, information in terms of the long-term research studies and the health effects uh, with respect to vaping. Now, if you were to have a, uh, a health warning of some kind, is a health message, even including nicotine being addictive on the device itself, uh, that helps to distinguish it uh, and to be like inform a parent or a teacher what the product really is. It takes away a little bit of the, the sleek coolness that is attractive to some youth and the increase in youth vaping. So I think uh, you know, that is something that uh, will have to be considered. Well, uh, j- just I- along the, uh, those lines, Rob, while I'm thinking of it, uh, you know, some of the uh, smoking cessation uh, tools, and I, and I think of Nicorette, which, you know, still contains uh, nicotine, but maybe not all of the carcinogens that an actual cigarette would. Same thing apply there eventually down the road in terms well, of Well, there's warnings? already a detailed health warning insert in packages of nicotine gum or um nicotine patch and so on now uh it's very small print yeah it's not really on the outside of the package but for those type of uh sort of prescription products i mean they're no longer prescription but those type of smoking cessation products that have been received the approval by health canada and the food and drugs act in terms of the drugs uh there's very often like you know when you get a medication a detailed you know health information that accompanies that so tobacco products in in some ways have had to play catch-up um, no, in Canada, we've done very well in more recent years in terms of enhancing our warnings, you know, incrementally and step by step. Um, you know, but there's, I think, uh, certainly with respect to vaping products, there's much less detail than there is for nicotine replacement products. You know, I think of the many people who try to quit smoking and there's that real sense of helplessness, right? You list them, they just think, I've been smoking for 20, 30 years. There's nothing I can do about it. And some of them may hear you on this interview and say, you know what? I really, really want to quit. I want to do something. What's actually the best way for them? Who should they contact? What should they do, Rob? Well, I think, uh, you know, there's uh, different things that work for different people. There is a toll-free number on the package, and that will continue to be there with the new warnings that people can call to get the free advice and tips. There is a web address where they can get more. Um, 
you know, there is uh, yeah, an opportunity to speak to your uh, physician. There's, uh, if you go to smokershelpline.ca, uh, you can get a, a calculator. Many people have just never added up how much they spend in a year. Mm. And that can be a real motivator beyond the health concerns and the health effects to know how much you spend per year. Uh, listen, there's a, there's a whole series of different uh, things that can work for different people. Um, and, you know, many people, uh, you know, ultimately will come without any outside assistance. Uh, but, you know, people should keep at it. And, and it's typically for most people who smoke, it's the single most important thing that they can do to improve their health. All right. Uh, Rob, before we let you go, is there anything else that uh, we didn't bring up that maybe we should have or you'd, you'd like to cover? Well, I just wanted to mention that at the local level, uh, there's a lot more that we can do here in Ontario. Uh, you know, for example, there's more uh, outdoor areas uh, that can be covered in terms of smoking bylaws. Some municipalities have covered hookah, uh, water pipe smoking, and some have not. So we want to ban all hookah, non-tobacco herbal water pipe smoking in, in public places. And, you know, some municipality, and this is what happened in the United States, some municipality could go first to have minimum age 21 for tobacco and cigarettes and then another municipality, and that would provide encouragement to do so at the provincial level. So I think locally uh, we, can, we have a lot of opportunities in the same way that historically smoking bylaws had an impact and influenced the provincial level. So you're saying, Rob, that the city, a city has the power to put forward a bylaw saying you can't buy cigarettes unless you're 21? Yes. So right now the city of Ottawa has one that's 19. Now that's the same age provincially, but the power exists. Uh, municipalities in Ontario can adopt bylaws for the health and safety of the population within the municipality. And so, uh, you know, that could be done. And I think, you know, the United States experience was many municipalities went before state level action. Wow. That is a fact that, uh, a little known fact. Yeah. A challenge um, to municipalities all where all our listeners live. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Rob Cunningham with the uh, Canadian Cancer Society. Uh, appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks very much. For the latest in in-depth features and enterprise journalism from your local writers at Village Media, be sure to check out The Big Read. The Big Read, it's the full story behind the headlines. Look for The Big Read on your favourite Village Media website across Ontario. All right, back to wrap on another episode of Inside the Village uh, with Derek Frisco and yours truly, Scott Sexsmith. Okay, uh, during the commercial break, we just did some math. You did. Uh, did. Okay, I did some math. Give yourself some credit. All right, I used a calculator. Uh, Assuming that you smoke a pack a day in Ontario and your spouse also smokes a pack a day, how much do you think annually? Throw a number. Well, when I was in high school, a pack of cigarettes was three bucks. So I don't know. They've gone up slightly. What are they now? Well, according to uh, Google, uh, if you were to buy a pack of 25, uh, brand name, $15. For 25? For 25. So the math on that annualized, you and your spouse, both smoking a pack a day, $11,000. Literally up in smoke. They should put that as a warning. That's the warning. That's the warning. Do do you want to smoke or do you want to put your kid through school? Yeah. Or you want to eat. Or do you want to eat? That's crazy. I mean, I shouldn't judge. I I, I used to yeah. uh, years ago. How did you quit? You know what? First of all, if if you've never smoked and never tried to quit, it is the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh about do. it. It's an addiction. I shouldn't It's laugh. terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so hard. But for me, 
you have to want to quit. And I think that probably applies to anybody because if, if you don't want to quit and you enjoy it, you're not going to. Mm-hmm. But if, if you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of feeling the way that I do. I'm tired of the cost. I want to do this. Um, you, you've got to make that conscious decision. And I tried everything under the sun, hypnosis, Zyban, all that stuff. None of it worked. Um, the thing that worked for me was a book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Author's name was uh, is Alan Carr. Uh, I think the book was 1999 uh, at Indigo or Kohl's or whatever brand they go by now. Uh, millions of people worldwide have used this tool to quit smoking. Um, the author, if I recall, was a smoker. In fact, he smoked four packs a day. That's, how's that even possible? That's 100 cigarettes. They like just, you'd constantly be smoking. You're lighting one with the next one. Right after another. Oh. And he quit cold turkey. Wow. Cold turkey. So I read the book a couple of Did times. Did he smoke and while he was writing the book? In fact, in the book, he encourages you to take a cigarette break. Really? Absolutely. Did you skip to that part? <laughs> I kept reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. <laughs> just to make by, sure I got it right. Just to make sure you got that just part got, right. Well, oh, I shouldn't laugh. I yeah. Shouldn't laugh. Anyway, uh, hardest thing in the world. Um, so I applaud anybody that uh, that tries to do it. Good but, for you. Uh, Alan Carr, The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Best. Tw- it's probably not $20 now because everything's gone up. But Well, I got to say, I, I just thought of a great story idea for all of our teams to, to ask their, uh, their, their mayors or city councils. Would you consider raising the, the purchasing age for cigarettes? Isn't that crazy yeah. to know that that's a municipal thing and not yeah. a provincial or federal? It's crazy, right? I mean, you want to have a city make an impact on public health. Hey, maybe, you know what? I always say that, you know, cities, just the positive attention they would get from doing it, the immediate attention, the, yeah. the publicity of it would be worth it alone, right? Looking like you're trying to do something and maybe it would make a difference. You kind of lead the way. And be yeah. The first one to do it. Um, the question is, though, who's brave enough to do it? Yeah. Right? Because it's a big step. Yeah, well, we, maybe Tyler Clark should ask the counselors in Sudbury. They seem to get back to him pretty quickly. Well, he's got a rep there. <laughs> he should do it. All right. Uh, we're smoke-free and shutting her down uh, for this week. Inside the Village uh, can be found uh, all over the World Wide Web at insidethevillage.ca, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and, of course, across the uh, Village Media Network. And do, Derek will be so proud, continue to email us at itv at villagemedia.ca. For Derek Turner, executive producer of uh, Inside the Village, Michael Friscalati, editor-in-chief here at Village Media, I'm Scott Sexsmith. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Inside the Village. Fresco and Scott's wardrobe, provided in part by Moore's Sault Ste. Marie.